Welcome to a Maker's Town Hall, a show where a live video audience is given the opportunity to meet and chat with makers of all skill and follower levels. It's a place to learn about the maker and see what makes them who they are and why they do what they do. The ups and the downs, the good and the bad, it's all here on a Maker's Town Hall. All right, welcome to a Maker's Town Hall. I'm Jacob, and joining us today is Jenny and Davis. And also with me, of course, is my co-host, Stephen from Wolf Woodworking Creations. I always have trouble saying that. So, Jenny and Davis, welcome, guys. Hey, Thank thanks you. so much for having us. Thank you so much for being here. Super excited. Uh, out in the audience, we got Bruce Ulrich, and we got Alan Canterbury. <clears throat> Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, so for how it's going to work, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk with Jenny and Davis, you know, pick their brains a little bit, ask a few questions, get to know them a little bit better. And then, you know, for the first half, and then once we're done there, then we'll open it up to our audience, let them kind of pick your brains and ask their burning questions of stuff they've always wanted to know from you. Sound good? Let's do it. Sounds good. So you guys are both in the Air Force, right? Correct. People may or may not know that. Uh, you, it's not like you've shied away from letting people know that. That's, you know, what you do. It's one of your passions. It's your, it's your career. Uh, why did you decide to go into the Air Force? Uh, well, first and foremost, they're going to pay for school. So <laughs> that helps. <laughs> that was a huge incentive. Um, yeah, we both, uh, we both graduated with weather degrees, um, went straight into the Air Force. And um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the main motivation there. I had to get in on some of the sciencey stuff, science, science. and technology. Sciencey stuff. So, yeah. so you weren't all into like you know being gung ho and you know full on uh, infantry or front front lines. You're more into the science part of what that military could actually offer offer you. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More of the tangible side too, because with our first jobs, we realized that we don't we don't like the back office as much as we thought we would. Yeah. We kind of like to be, you know. Not not on the front lines getting shot at, but you know, doing something a little more interesting than pushing paperwork. So um, that's kind of how we landed our, our next job, which is where we are now uh, with the Hurricane Hunters. So we saw an opportunity hopped up with them, and they needed some weather people. So and, we said, uh, "Let's go." We just hopped on it. So um, for anybody that doesn't know the Hurricane Hunters, they take a big C-130 and we fly into tropical storms and hurricanes mm -hmm. um, to just gather data and help the National Hurricane Center make better forecasts and just have more data that our satellites can't quite pick up on. You actually need to drop a, a little parachute with a little science a little weather instrument. sensor stuff on it. Um, you esen you essentially need to drive a plane through the thing to be able to understand what's going on. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Oh, but that, that's awesome. I, I, we were talking about, about this earlier. Like I said, you know, I'm in Florida, so most all the hurricanes come through me eventually. So that's that's really awesome that you guys do it, and they, you know, we have the National Hurricane Center here, and obviously everyone knows about the the Hurricane Hunters, and you guys are amazing. You're you're badass. Let's just put it like that. You're badass. Um, you're too kind. Thank you. Well, you know, I try. Man, stop sucking up. That's <laughs> we, we we already got them, dude. They're here. <laughs> yeah. We want them back. Shut that's up. That's true. Yeah. 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 You guys are awesome. <laughs> All right, so uh, I finally got all my, I think I got all my technical difficulties taken care of. So, Jacob, thanks for introducing everybody. Well, uh, no problem. 
recording the podcast. But I just wanted to say that uh, so everybody knows if I get Jenny and Davis's names wrong, every time that I do it, I'm going to donate $5 to me. No, Jenny's <laughs> charity. Because for a week, I've been like, okay, we got Jeannie and Davis. No, Jenny, Jeannie, which one? <laughs> the IE will get you. If I forget Jacob's name, then you get $5 taken away because that's actually a bonus. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, but yeah. Since you said that, I'm keeping track now how many times. All right. Yeah, that's what so. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious, too. I, I just wanted to apologize in advance because for some reason, Jenny, I've been calling you Jeannie, and I'm like, I don't know why. And I actually, think I actually think it's Bruce's fault because of his semi-Southern accent. God he, dang it, Bruce. He says it real quick, so. Don't blame Bruce. I'm right. blaming Bruce because i got to blame somebody because it can't be me. Way to throw me under the Southern bus there. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize until just now that, uh, Davis, you're wearing a, a Bruce's shirt over there. He changed specifically yeah, to right. put that on just for you. <laughs> nice. Right. Yeah, Mine's Bruce. in the wash, Bruce. <laughs> well, we were talking before we hit record just about how great this community is and how open everybody is and um, just how we're looking forward to the opportunity to meet a lot of these people in person. I know we've mm -hmm. been to the last couple workbench cons and a maker fair here and there just trying to meet everybody but um, just a quick shout out to the whole community just being awesome and yes. um, it's it's really pretty unique. I mean we've kind of studied a few different niches uh, online and there's nothing like this one that we've seen uh, with just everybody welcoming each other with open arms and really anybody that wants to engage or post or just consume the information. There's, there's just not another community like it. So um, we're blessed and fortunate to be in a really awesome community with awesome people, which helps anybody rise to the top. So couldn't, it's been a lot of fun to couldn't agree more. Lock arms like, with some really cool people. Very, very open. Like, and no one's really like, against sharing information or how exactly they do things like no this is a trade secret this is my secret you can't do it this is yeah. not patented at all no they'll openly share everything that they do and like exactly how they do it because no one's worried about you know copy infringement or someone like doing copying them exactly because who cares you know it's about you know it's about learning it's about the journey it's about making and also about inspiring other people to do better do the things that they want to do or, you know that they inspire to do Definitely, like definitely agree but they actually leave in that part that is actually true. <laughs> Amen. So, so you're saying that uh, Richard Dean Anderson didn't do all that stuff with duct tape? Oh, yes. Yes, he did. He did every single thing with the duct tape and the gum and the fire extinguisher. Everything. It's all Excellent. true. Okay. So okay. Don't, 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 kill sure my, you, don't kill my dreams here. I love, love him, by the way. I love that MacGyver. And I don't know if you guys ever watched uh, Stargate SG-1, like <clears throat> old sci-fi series. And he, he played a character in there. One of the other characters in, like, in a takeout made fun of him for being MacGyver, like just stranded out in Antarctica. Mm. And they're like, we can't get out of here. They're like, but you're MacGyver. Can't you make a nuclear reactor out of some duct tape and a stick? Like, I'm <laughs> stuck in Antarctica with MacGyver. <laughs> I just thought that shit was funny. Of course you would. That's All why right. he's. That's why he's on. We're bantering back and forth. Um, <laughs> so, do you but have I do want to say I, I have to get this out though. Um, first off, Jenny uh, Davis, thanks for your thank you for your service. I know you guys are with the Hurricane Hunters. Thank you for that. 
because I know from being in Florida for several years, you guys do an awesome job. And you know, well, thank Jake you. Probably so yeah, Jake has probably already gone through this, but I wasn't here, so tough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so but I, I I did 20 years in the Navy. Just so you guys know, I don't know if you remember that or not from our little discussion down at WorkbenchCon, the whole five seconds that we talked. Um, so when I start making fun of the Air Force, you understand why. Hey, that's okay. Got it. It's all fair. Noted. You know, because people make fun of me because they're like. You were in. You were a sailor for twenty years. You don't know how to swim that well. And I'm like, no. <laughs> They're like, but you were in the Navy. I'm like, well, there's people in the Air Force and they can't fly. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. If you yeah, don't have I'm, to swim, that means things are going well. Yeah. Exactly. That's why they had boats, right? Yeah. yeah if the Navy guy has to swim, it's like in not very good news. No, it's not. <laughs> you know. Now, if an Air Force guy has to fly. That's that's a big problem, especially if they don't have a parachute. At least when we jump, at least when we abandon ship, we hit something that's not that far away. You <laughs> right. guys kind of splat. Happens. Parachutes are nice. But you guys have you guys have steel balls though, because I wouldn't want to fly through a hurricane. <laughs> that's what that's why we said they're badass and you're not. Badass, not badass, not. So. I got, I got a tear for you. I got a real tear for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you got a question in there for them so we can move the discussion? Yeah, along? we can move this along. Um, so you got, you already got, took care of the Air Force thing. Mm -hmm. I took care of the Air Force thing. Um, and I know you guys, um, you are actually helping the community out by, you make and you're you're entrepreneurs. But you also do videos to help people um, with their business and content creation and things like that. The question that I have for you is right on the top of my tongue, and I will get it out eventually. Jacob, why don't you ask your next one? Because I did actually write this down or record it. Sure. I actually wrote down my questions, I, and uh, I think I, I know where you're prepared. going with this. So I think what he's referring to is uh, Stud Stack. So your uh, oh, private wow. Facebook group. So it's that's the name, yeah. From my understanding, um, private Facebook group that like-minded entrepreneurs, small business uh, makers can you know kind of get together, share ideas collectively, and you know just help each other. Can uh, can you just explain more of exactly what it is, what it does, how it works, and like how that came about? Sure. So it, it all started because we were having tons of conversations with people in the DMs, on comments, and it just got to the point where we wanted to respond more than just a giant wall of text. Right, because they had such good questions that we wanted to spend more time on, um, and we felt like they just deserved something better than a text bubble. Right, and so we started looking at having a Facebook group, and you know, we don't we we really wanted to get a good signal to noise ratio of good value in the group, but not a whole lot of armchair experts. If yeah. we want to hear opinions, we want it from people who are actually making sales, actually trying to run a business. Um, we don't want just a bunch of armchair quarterbacks saying, "Well, why don't you try this?" or "Have you like considered that?" That's not really what we were interested in, and so we started a paid group. Um, and we put it together. Jen and I post three videos a week in there, just as like conversation starters. 
uh, little tips that we learned. But the whole idea is that we're in a small, tight-knit community, and we share just about everything with our business, down to like the, the actual numbers we sell products for. To, yeah, our yearly goals. I mean, we just had somebody that their customer was really unhappy with a patio set that he made. And so he showed the pictures and he says, guys, what did I do wrong? And it was a really safe space for everybody to give really good constructive criticism yes. um, and just, you know, help each other succeed and win. Uh, because I think all too often we think that we're on an island and we think that we're alone yes. and the only ones doing this. Because, you know, you don't want to go talk to the guy on Facebook Marketplace that also sells stuff because that's your competition, right? So Yes, you need some people that you're not in competition with. But then again, it's hard to find that community because you do feel like you're kind of alone. You're like, well, who else sells their stuff that would want to have these conversations with me? Right. So that's a very long answer to a very short question mm -hmm. of we just wanted to make a, a safe place where people could share what they're doing, how they're winning in their business um, in a really safe environment. Um, positive, very safe, positive. And ensure that everybody there is committed to helping each other succeed. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what we started, and it's recently exploded. we got 40 members in there now, and that's just insane. Uh, really, really, really great group of yeah. girls and guys in there. That, My that day gets awesome. better when I go in that group. So much better. That's great, guys. I really I – like, I really – admire you guys for taking that initiative or at least seeing that need of like like you said having a safe space for people to just like comfortably reach out in and get the answers that they need without you know having to worry about you know backlash of ridicule and like how come you didn't do this that's stupid that you didn't do that and just like right. uh, i really admire that like you guys you know actively you know taking that on so and yeah. that it sounds like sounds like it's really great yeah it's oh, it's yeah. really incredible because a lot of people that you think are just starting out like we got one guy that um, was just starting out on his business and he really didn't think that he had a whole lot to offer to the group but he's a web designer and so he's helping everybody get their websites figured out and, yes. and their you know their sales funnel all figured out for how they're gonna get customers to, to buy their stuff online it's just everybody's got something unique mm -hmm. even if you've never sold a piece before that you can help somebody else with so that you don't feel like you're doing nothing but taking from the group yeah because we get a lot of people that feel like they feel guilty because they think they're just taking and taking and taking from the group. But, you know, we don't, sometimes we, we're too humble. We don't recognize our own strengths. So it's, it's just really cool to see that come full circle. And mm -hmm. a guy that's brand new, never sold a thing, is still helping other guys out. Um, yeah, just because he's got such a, you know, positive, you know, growth type mindset where he's like, I can help some way because I have these other skills. So That's great. Everyone adds value. And that actually kind of leads into the question that was on my head, in my head, before Jacob actually answered one of the questions that I had in my head. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> That's why you're here. Yeah. If somebody is trying to start selling, okay, and just let's just say they're trying to start selling mallets or cutting boards or, you know, twidgets really? or knickknacks, whatever really? you want to call them. Really? Someone selling to sell mallets? That doesn't sound familiar at all. <laughs> yeah who would do that i don't know i'm making them for a giveaway so i don't know <laughs> uh, but how would how would one start selling things i mean do you start just instagram do you facebook sure so you know, it it seems to us and this is just our dumb opinion but it seems to us that there's two types of businesses you can run the first yeah. one is 
just the hobbyist that wants to buy a few extra tools is trying to justify to the misses that they need a new table saw or something like that. Right, like they just want to see profit so they can invest a little bit back, you know, more into their hobby and stuff like that. And for that person, I mean, Jenny can talk about it more, but for that person, that's a great goal. It's a great way to make yeah. a couple extra bucks. But do you want to talk but about for, it? So what we usually see for them is when they're like, hey, I just want to get some money out to buy new tools or something like that. We're like, hey, that's awesome. That's great. Price high. Definitely price high because a lot of times we undervalue our work and do the work to go find the customers who are willing to pay those prices that you're charging. And like you said, you know, do you start on Instagram? Do you start on Facebook? It can be kind of overwhelming right now with all the social media that's out there. What we say for people like just starting out is just talk about your business, like to everybody who will listen to you um, because you never know what kind of people are out there and the potential they have to be a client until you talk to them. Um, just with word of mouth when we first started out, holy smokes, we ended up with like more jobs than we could handle just because we opened our mouths and told people that we had a right. business. And we didn't change anything about our, uh, nothing. We didn't go yeah. on Instagram any longer. We didn't start a website any sooner. We weren't really selling on like we Facebook just changed, We The one change that we made was, you know that you know when you talk to somebody that you haven't seen in a while, and it's like, hey man, how's it going? And you're like, oh, I'm good, how are you? change that conversation and say, oh, I'm doing great. I just started my woodworking business or I'm great. I just sold a couple of these mallets last week. Here, take a look at the pictures. Just changing that normal, boring mm -hmm. stock conversation into something uh, genuine about your business yeah. will right. lead to so many more opportunities without you having to do any extra work. So that's our advice to somebody just starting out. Um, but to the, to the next person, and I'll kind of hijack the the question you didn't ask and that's if you're the second kind of person and you want to depend on the income from your business like mm -hmm. we're trying to do it's really all or nothing and from what we've seen um, in our limited sample size you've got to be the kind of person that runs towards your fears instead of trying to ignore them yes uh, for me that was sales I was terrified terrified of asking people for money when I was a kid I would the, the waiter would bring me the wrong plate at a restaurant. I'm not talking like forgot to take the onions off. I mean like I ordered steak and got pizza and I was too scared to tell them that it was the wrong thing, plate of food. Like I came from a really like shy, quiet background of not wanting to, to hurt anybody or step on anybody's toes. And then we had friends start to bother us about, you know, wanting to build stuff. Yeah. And we just got overwhelmed with the schedule. And I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm scared of this. It's stupid. I don't, there's no reason for me to be tiptoeing around sales. So I went to the public library. I checked out 10 books, every book that the, the, um, that the library had on sales. He and comes I up, read he's like, all. I got a library card. I'm like, you got what? <laughs> so I, I read every book that the public library had on sales and I was scared to death. And I just started practicing. I thought, thought I was going to get caught. I thought somebody was going to catch on to me and say, well, you're using this sales tactic. Mm -hmm. Nope. It just worked. And so I was able to come out of my shell a little bit and start to learn. And that's when we that's when we really started uploading YouTube videos. It was right about that time where I was learning how to sell and you know how to take customers' expectations and meet them appropriately. Um, and then for Jenny, I'll, I won't step on her toes. But yeah, so my, like my fear I conquered um, wasn't necessarily this, the sales part, but for me it was like physically building. Like I did not grow up using power tools. I did not grow up building or woodworking. I grew up like hunting and fishing. You can't make a table with a fishing pole. So I had to learn. And um, 
idea. Idea. <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah, actually. New but, video um, idea. Fishing pole coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so what I decided is we got uh, our CNC. And um, I just, I was like, okay, this is going to be mine. So we left the CNC to be my responsibility to learn and figure out. I didn't know how a router worked. I didn't know how to change a bit in a router. Um, so here I am sitting on the basement floor, like trying to figure out how this thing works. And then um, along with that, if I wanted to make a sign, I'd want to have a frame. If I wanted to do that, I had to use the table saw. If I wanted to put together, I'd have to use the nail gun or the drill. Or if I wanted to make shapes, I'd have to use the jigsaw. And so from then on, um, just facing the fear of like, I've never touched a power tool before led to using like almost every tool in the shop. And the reason, great. so the whole reason that we say you've got to be the kind of person that runs towards your fears instead of trying to ignore them is because if you're trying to produce enough income with a business that you can depend on it, mm -hmm. you have to be covering all sides. There's, some, there's gonna be parts of a business that have nothing to do with woodworking that you are going to hate. It's just a fact. And if you're not the kind of person that can run into that with a head of steam and confidence, um, you might be able to pull it off, but it's going to be really, really hard, and you're going to end up hating woodworking on the other side of it. So if you're a hobbyist, great. That's exactly where you need to be. Just price high and look for the customers that are willing to pay mm -hmm. what you have priced your stuff at. If you're depending on the income, um, find out your weaknesses and run right into them because your business is going to find them a lot faster than you're going to find them on your oh own. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome advice, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Agreed. Yeah, and I think all of us can appreciate uh, like doing woodworking on YouTube and how one skill leads to another, leads to another. Like, like you said, uh, the table saw to the jigsaw to the router to the framing to the tripod to the like what frame weight do I use? What ISO? Like what shutter speed? Like editing? What software? What cut? What color grade? Like how does this thumbnail look? Do, do I use this color? Do I use this background? Like everything kind of. <laughs> and there is so, but there's so much to learn. And you just, you know, and, and I think a lot of us, I, I know I did. I'm like, I got into YouTube videos and because of the Webat team. We built the thing team. I was like, these guys are these guys are cool, and they could, I could build things, you know. I don't really like putting my face on a camera, but eh, and it's that was that part of. I agree with you. That's that's the fear, or you know, I don't want to. I don't want to put my face on a camera, but I know I do have a small personality, you know, thing that makes people laugh somewhat sometimes, maybe. Um, and people said, dude, just do it. And I went, okay. So, uh, and I still have to get back. I'm still in front of the camera. You guys haven't seen it because that's the other part of the fear is I don't want to release a video because, you know, you're kind of afraid how it's going to do. <laughs> but when, you know, but you never know. I mean, it's just like Facebook and, and the guys on We Built a Thing and uh, because we make you can never predict what the algorithm wants from you that week. So, I mean, the best advice that I've gotten was just, if it feels right and it's not illegal, do it. Generally good <laughs> advice. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you just, just, you just got to do it. Yeah. You just, yeah, you just like, got to, th th there's no, there's no way to get better if you don't start. And like you said, with like the performance thing, 
like the, the floating wine bottle display that I just did. Uh, that video I put up and like I put like a month's worth of effort in there, like trying to learn DaVinci Resolve. And I think like cinematically, it's probably the best one that I put out yet. Hasn't done actually that it's done okay like for my for my stats like they've done they've done well and like that average viewer retention has been pretty good but it hasn't really gotten it hasn't like skyrocketed through the roof but you know what i learned a lot from that video and like my process of going through that and to me it still is uh still a success you know for what i got out of it so right yeah we like the advice from uh gary vaynerchuk and i'm gonna broadly paraphrase his words but you know what you just said is you don't ever know how you're going to tickle the algorithm the right way and you don't ever know what the audience is going to like best so with those two unknowns there's practically no way to know when your video is going to pop off and go viral or when it's going to fall flat and even like people pay thousands and thousands of dollars for content to try and get it to go viral and it just doesn't work so what are you left with? You've got, you basically just got two options. You can hesitate and still play this imaginary game of trying to tickle the algorithm, or you can just post everything you can possibly post. And hopefully you have enough at bats is the term yes. Gary uses. You've got enough at bats. Eventually you're going to hit a home run. And from there you can capitalize on that, double down, learn, look at the analytics, that kind of stuff. But that's kind of been our approach is just throw everything yes. at the wall and see what sticks. I, I agree. I, mine's kind of the same approach of, I like it in terms of more of like fishing of instead of just throwing one line out and throwing like a bunch of different lines out or like a really wide net and just trying to see, trying to see what you can catch. You know, like I, I don't just niche down on just doing one, one project or just doing all tables or all chairs. I do, a variety of things because there's a variety of things that interest me and that I want to try and that I want to do. Some of them are extremely nerdy. Some of them are very practical, you know, it's just here and there, <clears throat> but you know, I, I try them. And also when I go to edit and uh, I also make sure I translate my title and my description into multiple different languages just because, Hey, maybe there's somebody out there in a different country that, you know, has a possibility of speaking English or might find this, this thumbnail interesting and you know being able to take something away from it that's another view that's more watch time that's you know more that i can more data more information and more you know contact with another person that i can use to help better myself and hopefully to better them if they get anything from my content i just had someone from germany just uh message me about a, a video i posted last year about where i get this certain kind of exotic veneer we had like you know five text conversation of like trying to figure out where to get it for him over there cool. so like like i said you just never know and it's like we were talking about earlier you know there's so many people in this space all across the world i think it it, uh, it behooves people to you know reach out that far because there really are people out as far as that that you can relate to and that you know you can connect with oh definitely I think one of my biggest fears of this whole, even Instagram, is first off, offending somebody, not in the, maybe offending is not, basically stealing their idea and kind of turning it and making it my own, giving them credit, but, you know, ticking them off. It's like, how, how dare you, you know, use 
my cutting board and you just change it just this much and now you're calling it your own that's my biggest that that's one of my biggest fears and copyright infringement you know it's just you know because if i i know that if i buy plans from um like bruce if i bought plans from bruce and i made a video of me that's that's my question so if i buy plans from bruce and i make whatever he made but i video it and make a youtube video would is that bad practice or even if you tag the person would they get i mean i, I could ask people i mean you could ask bruce he's right here i could ask bruce <laughs> but bruce doesn't sell plans right well you know uh, but i mean what i mean so what would you think about something like that i mean these are to me these are the harder questions that really nobody asks because you just find out the hard way sure sure and of course we're not experts consult a lawyer all the legal things that i have to say on the front <laughs> yes. end oh so there you go see that's the air force officers in the oh, there's <laughs> the caveat <laughs> the caveat we are not lawyers please refer to my attorney I would say, and this, I mean, we can debate the, the morality of this later, but I would say a good principle that we follow is make sure the money is going where it's supposed to be. Um, okay. Generally, if the money is going where it should, then people don't get their feathers ruffled, their, people don't get sue happy, as long as the money's going in the right direction. So what does that mean for, let's say you wanted to build something Bruce made, and film yourself doing it. As long as you give him credit and you post a link to his plans, mm -hmm. if your video pops off and gets 10 million views, way bigger he's than, gonna he's gonna reap the benefit of it as well. Right. So, I, again, I like, I, I mean, don't that's, know. And that's kind of how I thought about it. It was, if I wanted to make something, I need to let everybody know, you know, first off, I'm not giving plans out. These are not my plans, these are Bruce go to his website and you know i guarantee you he'll you'll he'll sell you the plans um i mean because plagiarism and, and copyright would be me putting my name on exactly on his plans and selling them as my own you know that's when but i mean these are the things that i'm very surprised at that just because it's such a nice community that these things they may happen but i don't think they happen as much as real world you know, plagiarism and copyright infringements actually happen. I think right. we're all pretty, you know, nice to each other. And we give a shout out. It was um, just like I'm, I made that crosscut sled and I, and I put a traveling box joint jig on it. I got that from Make Things with Rob. And I posted it and I said, thank you. You know, you inspired this. He came back and he's like, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate, you know, he goes, and we had a little conversation going and turned out to be one of the nicest guys, you know, that I've, I've talked to in a while. No offense. Yeah, Bruce. I, I would say, yeah, just reach out. If you're really worried about something like that, I would just reach out, get your plan together and just say, Hey, I've got an idea for a video. Is it cool if I, you know, if I, is it cool if I pimp out your plans page or whatever, if I can build it and film it and make a video and I don't really right. see anybody have a problem. We did that with, um, Chris Salamone, yes. Four Eyes Furniture. So we have a little um, program that teaches people how to sketch furniture in front of the customer. That's one of the better ways we've found to find that, make to sure do, all 
everything's decided before you start building and put money into it. For custom right. commissions, you know, because you don't want an unhappy customer who doesn't really know what they're getting on the other side. So I went to I went to Chris's page and I was like, I want to draw his, you know, Bad Larry. And if you don't know, Bad Larry is his little like trapezoidal media cabinet entertainment, entertainment center, center thing. thing. Um, and I wanted to show people how to draw that. So I sent him a quick message on Instagram. I'm like, hey, man, this is what I'm trying to do. Is it cool if I steal a picture of Bad Larry and make it look like a five-year-old drew it? And he was like, yeah, man. <laughs> Nobody so, will recognize it anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, and I mean, yeah, it's it, from, in our experience with this community, like if you're really, really worried about something, just ask. You're probably going to yeah. get the answer you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, more than likely. And or just just make sure there's proper citation as far as I like this is not my original idea I got it from so and so go check them out I I did that same thing with my guitar stand like the bottom of that that I did like the the charred wood and then I inlaid the the mica powder in between that that original idea was from Joni from Inspire Woodcraft so he he calls it Shoshugiwan 2.0 and I thought it was really cool like all right hey I want to try this and use it in this application for a friend of mine so I'm, I didn't really ask his permission, but I think he was just kind of throwing it out into the universe anyway. He doesn't have a copyright on it anyways, but like, I still like acknowledge the fact that he's the one who inspired me to do it and I got the idea from him. So I think as right. long as you give proper credit where credit is due, I don't think anyone's going to be mad at it unless like, like you said, you're stealing the plans and selling them as your own idea. That's you know, then you're taking someone's intellectual property and, you know, trying to sell it off as your own. That's kind of a no-go. And I have seen that uh, people, they actually, where is it? It's either on YouTube, it, they're, they're the ads that come up, it's like, you know, 10,000, you know, plans for, you know, five ninety nine a month. And I know that, who was it? Mark Spagnola, the Wood Whisperer, he said that that is going around and they have a set of his plans. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was Mark that said they have my plans in here. Let me know because I'm handing this off to my lawyer. You know, because he said they definitely give my permission. So, uh, I mean, it and it does happen, but I don't think it's going to happen to you know small fries like us. But you never know. Right. Um, well, the way that we look at it, and we've had a couple videos stolen, I guess, yeah. just re-uploaded by some other random user on YouTube and people's pointed out to us all the time. There's really not a whole lot we can do. We don't want to hire a lawyer um, at this point in the game. I've got to say that because you never know who's listening to these podcasts. Um, but it, it, we just take it as a compliment. We have, we created something worth stealing and for right now in 2020, you can't steal our faces and you can't steal our voices. So if somebody really enjoys that one piece of content and they see our faces somewhere else, you're going to have to put out more content as us to take the larger piece of the pie. Does that make any sense at all? Yes. Yeah. If you want to take the majority of our audience, you're going to have to put out more content of us than as we us. do. Yeah. <laughs> so right. as long as somebody's not putting out more content of Jenny and Davis than Jenny and Davis then we're going to be having the biggest piece of the pie. Right. Most I got out of that was pie. I'm sorry. Fair. <laughs> that's okay. Fair. That's, all, that's the main point I really wanted to drive yes. home anyway. Yeah, pie. <laughs> all right, guys. So we're going to take our uh, sponsor break. We actually got a sponsor. <laughs> yes. Ooh, somebody yeah, somebody I, decided that, well, okay. 
but hey, it doesn't matter. It's still a sponsor, and I'm happy. So um, we're going to take that, take a little break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll open it up to our audience members to ask you guys some questions. So we will be back after these words from our sponsor. All right, and we're back with Jenny and Davis and Steven. <laughs> and this guy. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. No Feel problem. Feel the so, love too much. Uh, not a problem. So this half of the podcast, we're going to open it up to our audience. We got Alan and Bruce in the audience. So Bruce, did you want to ask Jenny and Davis any questions that you've always wanted to know? Yeah. Uh, how did you come up with your clever brand name? <laughs> Years of brainstorming and thinking. <laughs> Well, I was born at a very young age. And, uh, <laughs> it was it's, very a, dark. it's a joke that they have with me because my brand is my name and their brand is their name. Yeah. So we weren't very creative. Well, we yeah. originally started, so that actually brings up a good point. I can blast on yeah. that. Yeah, I remember what you were. Go we ahead. Were, we were originally white grain woodworking, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a tongue twister. It's kind of hard to say after a while. Um, but we just we just decided to change to Jenny and Davis on our social media stuff. So um, just want to be a bit more personal. And so plus, and you're gonna see our content sort of move this direction. We're still doing woodworking. Nobody lose it because we're still doing woodworking. Yeah. But we want to push more of the growth mindset angle, kind of like what we were talking about in the first half of the show of, of running towards your fears instead of trying to hide from them. Um, and wanted to sort of make a more general message around those concepts. Doesn't necessarily have to do with woodworking, even though that's the business that we're going to be documenting. And we're still going to be sharing everything that we oh, learn yes, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. We're still in the maker community, but the spin that we want to put on it is the whole growth mindset portion, because that seems to be, if you listen to people at the top of every industry, and we listen to a disgusting amount of podcasts and just interviews and all sorts of stuff and everybody at the top of their field is all preaching pretty much the same lesson of just work hard put your head down and run towards your fears instead of running away from yeah so the main things we took from that are one it must work and it must work when applied to pretty much anything because the heads of all these industries are like completely different industries so it's something that you can find success in when applied anywhere so so we're just trying to copy other successful people and see how it works out yeah. oh plagiarism i see <laughs> <laughs> just copy paste man. just copy paste so oh, a follow-up to that real quick it's in the same vein is with the the white grain woodworking that you were when you so when you started on youtube it was more like i guess what i'll call the typical project videos tutorial style about that particular project and then even before you changed your name, it pivoted and you started talking more about the actual business and about, you know, how to sell more and that type of thing. How long, how long did you, you know, you must uh, put it in the form of a question. How long did you, um, how long did you have the, the kind of original iteration before you started that pivot? Like how many videos had you done? Uh, just one. So we, uh, yeah, we maybe had, 15, 20 videos posted to the channel by the time that we, well, no, it was probably more than, more that. than it was that. like 30 or 40 maybe. Yeah, because I think we switched. So we got to a point on our channel where we yeah. were still really small. I mean, sub 1,000 subscribers. And 
we had we had a couple videos that did well. We got featured in the Modern Maker podcast with our plywood challenge yeah. a couple years ago when we did that. Um, that was a huge spike, and then just a couple of other little video spikes, but nothing crazy. And then Jen and I we sat in front of a whiteboard and we said, okay, what is every type of woodworking video that we could possibly make? We came up with a 10 tips video. That was our 10 tips to save time in the workshop. Yeah. We came up with a how to make money with woodworking video. Mm-hmm. And that was that video. And then we had, I don't know, three or four other ideas that we never made the video because when we posted, like I said, shotgun, we just put everything up. And the one that did the best was the one where we showed, hey, we sold this piece of furniture. Yeah. We did a price breakdown and it took off. Because we were just thinking, we're like, ah, for the heck of it. Like, do you think people would care about our numbers? And we're like, we care about our numbers. I don't know if anybody else will care, but sure, let's just post it and see how it does. And sure enough, like people really cared about it. And the at numbers. the time and at the time, the only videos that we knew of on YouTube where people did price breakdowns, um, Ben Ueda had just published the video where he redid that shoe store with his friend and did all those yes. stacked mm-hmm. plywood yep. displays. Um, and Mike and Lauren. Yeah, they were them doing, they, yeah, they were the OGs, man. They, yeah, I followed them years ago and I only came across them sharing that stuff because Mike would just do kind of auxiliary videos of him in the wood shop. Right. And then I was kind of like, oh, and I'd, I'd go over and watch some of their other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they were a big inspiration to us as well. But it was just them. Um, the one video from Ben Ueda where he did the breakdown, and then David Picciuto had his um, craft fair, how to make money at a craft fair yeah. video. And he talked about his day rate and all that kind of stuff. And that was all the content that we knew of in this niche um, that had to do with making money. Everybody else either seemed afraid of it, and we'll get to that in a minute, but. Um, <laughs> It's it's a very polarizing topic. It is. Believe it or not, money's a big deal to some people. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah we all do to... this for. We don't want to. We don't want to make money. We're just doing this for the fun of it. Right. Do you think that's what made that one take off? Is it, it was just kind of a pulling back of the veil? Well, unknowingly, it was a really good clickbait thumbnail, and we didn't yeah. know that at the time. Um, we were still too early in the game to really know how to play the title and thumbnail game. Um, but in hindsight, uh, I subjectively i think so i think that people were thirsty to hear exactly how it works because everybody i know with her like when i first started buying tools we had no intention of selling anything but one of the excuses i used to buy three thousand dollars worth of tools was hey once we build everything we need we can build and sell stuff for other people and i was like oh Hmm. actually that's a really good idea and i'm I'm not not the only dummy that's ever had that idea so i know we knew that there were a lot of people out there that you know, at some level, we're trying to justify tool purchases or something like that. And again, we hadn't thought about it to that crystallized level. We were just trying to shotgun everything. And as soon as it worked, we doubled down on it. And we're like, okay, this is, and again, this is about the same time conveniently that we were starting to sell things at a pretty good profit margin. So at the same time, it was like, we were the ones that wished we could be kind of like nosy or like, see the you know back room of how everybody did their selling and pricing and everything like that because we felt like we didn't have a whole ton of resources or you know people to base it off of when it came to pricing either so like maybe we should just do it and I, I think that's i think that's a big part of you know trying to sell your wares is pricing them and i know that pretty much every uh, podcast that i've listened to somewhere somewhere on the podcast they've had something about pricing 
and everybody has said the same thing price high because you're probably not pricing it high enough anyway. And, um, and I was listening to the, we built it thing guys, shout out to them. Uh, right actually while I was cutting the grass and, um, who was it? You guys were talking about, um, the, the build that you guys, you know, enjoyed, but you really don't ever want to do again. Mm. And so I think Mark said something about, yeah, we'll just price it way out of their, you know, their, their, their league. Yeah. Like that, the go away yeah. price. Yeah. The go away price. That was it. Yeah. Get them a go away price. And if they go, okay, we'll take that. You're like, all right, I'll make it for you for $3,000. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, do, you, do, you, do you think it's like a lack of confidence too? Because, you know, if you're just, if you're just starting out and you see, you know, I think you made the example somewhere in one of your videos of like someone saying like, well, I can get this over at Walmart for, for the X amount of dollars way cheaper here. Like, why am I paying this much for like for your, uh, for your product? And, you know, maybe you're wanting to price things less to be more competitive on like, say a platform like Etsy where everything is like, like X, X amount of dollars cheaper than everyone else to try and, you know, push things out do you think it's like from that lack of confidence and not really knowing the worth of like your your materials and your skills and the time that you're actually investing in it yeah i I think that there's i think that there's three or four different factors i think the confidence is is one of the main ones um it's not so much that you're not confident it's that you don't know where you fit on the spectrum of talent and ability um and i think a lot of people really discredit how long it takes to even become a basic woodworker. I'm talking like outdoor furniture, benches, cornhole tables, like easy stuff, guys, easy stuff takes months and months and months of practice to produce. First of all, produce at any level of quality and second produce at scale. If you're building three or four sets of cornhole boards, that's way different than, you know, your first set for your neighbor across the street. So we, I, one of the things that we're trying to say more often now is that joy is not a form of payment. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's probably like the biggest one that we've been seeing lately is like as you progress in, in woodworking and get more involved, it's such a hobby and you love it so much that you kind of get yourself in the cycle of, well, I'll only charge this much because honestly, it's so much fun for me to make it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. It'll be a blast. I love doing it anyway. And it they can't start be taking work because I had fun. Yeah, I can't make money because it's not work because I had fun. You know, because we're so used to going to these jobs, at least our perception of the culture is that nobody particularly loves their job unless you're just in an awesome career field and, you know, you're just that magical snowflake that, you know, gets to fly through hurricanes for some lucky reason. Like, (laughs) I wonder who that could be. I wonder who that, yeah. Who are you talking about? Uh, (laughs) AC, you don't know you flew through hurricanes. (laughs) But Uh, Bruce, you never told us this. Yeah, <laughs> but not everyone loves their job and so there's i think there's some lack of confidence springing from the fact that people enjoy woodworking so they don't think that they're allowed to price it at what the market value is now that's the second thing that i'll get into and then i'll leave this question alone because i've been talking too much but <laughs> the the second thing i think that goes into it and we were talking about this in the in the car earlier today the mindset of a producer is completely completely on a different planet than the mindset of a consumer yes oh my someone God. who builds and sells products 
your priorities are different, your mindset is different. It, it's so far removed that when you're coming from a consumer culture background, like we both were, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it makes total sense. I see one that's almost just as good at Walmart. Okay, I'll go over there. You have no frame of reference for anyone other than yourself. Now, what I mean by this, a woodworker would never pay $10,000 for a kitchen table. I don't care how good it was built. Yeah. I don't care what wood it was made of. A woodworker would not spend $10,000 on a kitchen table. There are millions of people on this planet that would. Millions with an M. Like, no doubt in my mind. There's 8 billion potential customers out there. At least a million of them would drop 10 grand on a kitchen table. And so when you really start to look at the numbers at scale and you think, okay, if Nike can sell $1,000 sneakers, if Apple can triple the price of a laptop, it's like the same components, the same components in a mm -hmm. MacBook are in an equivalent PC and the MacBook is three times more expensive. Yes, it works quite a bit better, but not three times better. I mean, come on. I love Macs just as much as the next guy, but it's all about perceived value. Times better. Exactly. Perceived, the perceived, perceived value. Exactly. And so yeah. once you understand that concept is that you're not screwing somebody over, you're just meeting their expectation of what they think it's worth. It's not price gouging. You're not screwing them over. You're not, you're not hosing them down. Now you can certainly do those things and there's plenty of scumbags that do, but 99% of all woodworkers that are just trying to make a couple extra bucks, you're not going to screw anybody over price your stuff high and find the people that see the value in it because they're out there. They're all out there and you just got to open your mouth. So. Yeah. And can I interject something that goes along with that, that I think we discussed probably when y'all were here and we were collaborating because recently I've been doing more kind of on that production scale and gearing that up. And you're right. It's totally different when you're handling orders for multiple customers and you have 10 of something to make in a week instead of one or two. Um, but I, I think a big thing, not just a, a confidence, a lack of confidence that people have, but I think a big thing that hinders people from pricing stuff properly or even knowing it's just a lack of knowledge. So the average person does not know how wholesale and retail works in relation to each other until you go that route. Like I've had stuff that's in a boutique and they're not going to, they're going to pay half of what it will sell for. So then you're in a real big production game. So it's just a knowledge of a lot of those things, like knowing where to put your stuff, not necessarily just the price. Like there's, I don't have a place on Etsy for a lot of my stuff. It's just not, I can't play that volume game that they can. So I don't try. Right. And yeah. a lot of it is just researching it to have the knowledge to know this place is good for it. That place isn't. And maybe this place I can do that, but I don't want to go retail. Right. Bruce, I got a question. You might know the answer to this. What's that? Do you know how many homes in the United States are worth more than $1 million? I don't know, but I do Not know the, home. <laughs> I know the, the average household income is way higher than I thought it was in the U S the, the median household income is like 56 grand now. Mm -hmm. yep. That seems higher than I would have thought it was. Yeah. But take a wild guess. How many homes do you think in America are over a million dollars? Like a percentage wise? Or actual number. Don't just worry, he asked me this one the other day okay. and I got it like way wrong. I don't like, even know how many homes are in the US, but oh, um, that's okay. That's okay. I'm gonna blow your mind anyway. Two point four million homes in the US are worth more than a million dollars. Dang. 
they'll for sure pay ten thousand dollars for table. In fact, they'll pay more. Homes in the U.S. that are worth more than a million dollars. And I just, I just wanted to add, like, to add on to that point. I think in this case, numbers are on your side. I think with anything you want to do, if it's woodworking, starting a woodworking business, YouTube, the numbers on your side. And like, I, I explained this to someone the other day. Like, well, the billions of people that are in the world, I only need a percentage of that, like a very small percentage of that, to have any kind of level of success that I want. Like, you could have what's one percent of a billion? There's six uh, of six billion. And I, I don't have the answer to that off the top of my head, but it's a lot. A whole lot of money. Exactly. Carry the one, add the zeros. Uh, <laughs> right. But if well, you one percent like, of six billion, you know, you have and like add a price tag, let's say of five dollars. That's a decent income for a year, let's say. Right. It, it's just it's just breaking out of that mindset of well, nobody I know would pay that much. It's like okay, that's great. You don't know that many people. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. You just don't. The human brain can only keep. They've done studies on this. The human brain can only keep up with a social circle of around three, three hundred and fifty people. Mm-hmm. I think that's the limit of what your brain can handle. Of that's like, why I'm so tired. That's way more people than I can handle. <laughs> I thought you were going to say three, and I'm like, I'm good to go then. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, of course, like you just think that, yeah, the people I hang out with, nobody would buy it, but that doesn't mean that there's no customers out there. You just got to open your mouth and talk to them because they're easier to find than you think that they are. And that's the whole, that's the secret. That's the whole secret to this game is that you just got to open your mouth and find different people that are, because yeah, it sounds crazy. Woodworkers are not, I mean, Ben, you just put up that video of him um, selling that table for $6,000. And he only spent $500 in materials on it. Um, and people were hosing him in the comments saying, I'd never pay that much. Nobody else would. It's like, cool, I wasn't selling it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not making it for you. I'm making the video for you. I'm just, right. yeah. Right. You couldn't, you couldn't sell to everyone even if they did want to buy. Right. You get such right. a, like, if you could genuinely sell to the masses, like, you wouldn't be able to because it's the masses. You don't have the capability to. Right. You're, you're not going to ever be a supplier for Walmart. But you don't have to be, like, and that that yeah. I think that's point. And and it's actually funny that you guys mentioned that, like, um, just opening your mouth. I have a story that actually happened today. I was working at this uh for this catering company. They were paying me for for the day just to come in and help them out. And I noticed they had these stacks, uh, like a hotel pan full of like old knives that weren't really weren't sharp. They're all dull and somewhat rusty. And like I looked at the owner, I said, hey. Um, I just had the idea, like, you know, I could sharpen those and I know they have like knife sharpening services and stuff like that. Maybe this is an opportunity I could, you know, get a hold of. So I, I told the, the owner, I said, Hey, I offer a knife sharpening service. If you'd be interested in that, I notice you have the hotel pan of, you know, dull knives over there. If you want, like for X amount of dollars per knife, I can take them and sharpen them and get them back to you as they're done. And he said, yes. He, he went nice. for it and like now i've got 10 knives standing right uh, right here next to me that I've, I've already got cleaned up ready to sharpen and i'm ready to go on that so like it's like you said it's just about opening your mouth and just trying so just yep. like no one, no one no one knows if, if they don't know you know yep. see now the one thing that that i'm curious on is so eventually i think once i get my shop to where i want it to be I start, I want to start selling some things. I think that's instead of, I mean, I enjoy making the videos, but as you all know, 
there's a lot of work involved in just not making the video, but editing it and then promoting it and all that other stuff. Um, and you're, let's put it this way, unless you're, you know, have at least 5 million viewers, you're probably not going to make a good living off of just YouTube videos. Um, cause and that's not where the money is that it helps, but it's from what I know, that's not where the money is. So for somebody like myself, and yes, I am asking for free advice. <laughs> um, where should I start to sell? I'm not talking about, you know, word of mouth and friends and family and things like that, but should somebody, in your opinion, should they start on YouTube? Should they start on Instagram? Should they make their own web page? Um, you know, sell on Etsy or Shopify? I mean, where do you think that the, the, the most people would start to have the best chance to get their product out there, even if it's just a cutting board? Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, say. a mallet. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the advice we're going to give has been around since, like, I don't know, 2003, 2004. And it's just the typical sales funnel. So um, how it works is you have an Instagram, you have a YouTube channel, you have what, however much social media content you can put up with publishing. Mm -hmm. Just have an account with the name on it. Um, you can repurpose your content. You can post the same thing on Twitter that you've done on Instagram. Like you can cross pollinate all you want. And th from there, you want everybody to go to the same place. And the easiest way to do that is just to set up a really easy website. You can use Shopify, you can use Wix, Squarespace, the whole gamut. Um, but you want everybody to go to a singular location and take one action. And that actually right. sounds like you want them to buy something. So I would send, I would have the link in your bio, the link in all of your posts everywhere to go. And we're really bad about this. We post tons of links anywhere. So do what we say, don't what we do, <laughs> not what we do. We're working on it. Um, but you want to funnel everybody to one location to take one action. And to, for us, that's a website. So and an easy action. Yeah, it's got to be easy. The, the more steps, you're going to lose people. You would be surprised right. at just how many people, one extra click, will make a 50% drop off. Yeah. We, um, when we, we have our little sales programs of, you know, kind of how we do customer interactions and stuff like that. Um, and we had our sales page for the longest time. We had it on our sales page and then they took a click and they went to the checkout software and they had to click again to buy it. That was like too much. And then one day, one day for whatever reason, I closed that first website. Then all of a sudden our conversions like, doubled overnight mm -hmm. it's it's insane just how much one click can make a difference between buying and not buying that's right. why these social platforms make it really hard to get off of their platform because they they know that if you leave you know you may not come back or You're whatever click you know, on something else yeah they're gonna try to keep you there i always wondered why instagram doesn't have like facebook does i mean granted they're owned by the same company but you know instagram you could put your link in the bio but that's it yeah, but no. You can't else. put it anywhere else. I mean, you can, but you can't embed it. You can't make it a hyperlink. And I don't know about the other platforms, but I know YouTube. YouTube, the algorithm looks at how long your viewers stay on YouTube after they watch your video. If you right. send a ton of your viewers to your website, 
they're not going to show that video to very many people. But if you right. refer them to the next video but and they stay you, on for two more hours, and they're like, oh, this is a great video. That Let's... video is going to do a lot better. Like, so right. they want them to stay on the platform. Yes. Exactly. So Just like we want them, we want to direct them to our website or Etsy page or whatever. Or we're all podcast. fighting. <laughs> we're all fighting to get that the bottom of the funnel. And right. Keep right. Them so, yeah, it's it's interesting, but yeah, I would recommend just start a website and then do as much social media as you you care to put up with, and then um, just drive them all to your website. And, and I uh, would say too, like starting out, wondering like which platforms to start out with or which which ones to push hardest with first, if you only have a limited amount of time, is like talking to people around you and seeing what they what they use, like getting. Right. With people you think would be your best customers or your ideal customers, and you're like just asking them, like, hey, like, where would where do you typically shop to find your stuff? Like, what what's big? Is like Facebook the thing here? Is like Instagram shopping the thing here? And kind of just getting the feel of you know your area and your your customer base. And from there, if you find out that everybody does, you know, likes to go to Facebook to look for stuff, you know, then you can start pushing on Facebook. So it never right. it never hurts to ask either. Right. Hey, I wanted to give you a shot, AC, if you wanted to ask anything, because I know Jeannie and Davis have, uh, you know, and places I have to do places to be, places yeah. to, you know, places to fly, places to get stuck, you know, yeah. you know, things to do. Hurricanes uh, to soar in. Hurricanes right. to find, you know, hurricanes to make. I'm talking I am talking to drink. I am not talking to hurt the storm. I'm yes. talking to drink. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, uh, especially it's a New Orleans treat, right? Um, I was wondering what you guys are excited about next coming out of the sort of crazy time we're in now. Is it like a new shop space? Is it a project? Is it a, a new product? Is it a tool? I mean, what's, what's kind of got you guys jazzed about the, let's say 2021 at this point, but you know, what's kind of got you guys jazzed up? Oh my gosh. I think... Um... 2021 so after kind of you know all this stuff is over is just having mm -hmm. the time and the ability to step back and like analyze what's going on and like figure out what the best move is like finally being able to sit down and like use our sales brains to say what do we think is going to happen next and how can we like get ahead of that and then really start like building on a very firm platform of like what we believe will happen based on what we like finally have the chance to sit down and analyze. That's me anyways. Yeah. I'm most excited to hire our first employee. We've been spending uh, a lot of time making cool. checklists and writing procedures and dialing in our, our, um, our plans of what we're going to build and offer to, you know, the Houston community to sell. And we're going to get all that fine tuned, which is the stuff that we hate doing. Um, but we'll be done with it about the time we're done with our training in the fall. So yeah. I'm really excited to hit the ground running, make some sales and hire our first employee. I think once we are able to do that, that's really going to open up a lot of time and just opportunities for us to close more sales, hire more people yeah. and then really get, get this snowball rolling. Yeah. So. If you provide transit from Fort Lauderdale back, <laughs> I'll, I'll be totally be there. <laughs> first employee right there. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that's what I'm excited about is hiring the first employee. Yeah, that'll be that's a real good, like benchmark of kind of. Well, that's um, a big first step because you guys talk about that in your programs a lot. Talk about that on your videos a lot about getting to that level. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we're excited. We're we're looking forward to getting into a commercial space hopefully in 2021. Um, 
Yeah, that too. We want to outgrow the garage as quick as we can because there's only mm -hmm. you can only fit so many kitchen tables a week through that garage. So that'll be another really big stepping stone for us. So now that was one of the one things that I've heard. Uh, actually, we had um, oh my god, who oh bear naked. Um, yeah, yeah, we had Justin, and uh, he said, you know, inventory when it takes up a lot of space in your shop, that space is valuable and mm -hmm. if you're just you know bruce did a video on it you know he had a bunch of plywood stored you know willy-nilly and now he found a lot of extra space so you know the size of things you know so if you make pens or you know cutting boards or you know whatever you know the smaller items you can keep on stock but you can't keep a dining room table you know you kind of have to make that and then sell it right away. You just can't make it and go, Hey, look what I built. Does anybody want to buy it? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because you have to store that. And if nobody buys it for five years, you, you've basically lost money on that piece of furniture. Right. Yeah. We want to try to avoid the, the, um, the inventory game as long as we can. We, we're, we're trying to follow the business model. What we're trying to copy and paste back to copyright. Infringement, yeah. right? We're trying to copy. We're trying to copy the five-star restaurant model. We want a premium product, absolutely flawless workmanship, but it's off of a menu. Now that's yeah. gonna be a really tough balance because nobody wants, like one lady won't want onions on it. Another lady wants her potatoes double boiled. You know, like everybody's gonna wanna have their twist, but we wanna make sure that everything is mostly straight off the menu. And if they right. wanna make a tweak or two, okay, fine. We'll give them a few choice options. At least it's a twist on, you know, the same two ingredients. It's kind of the deal. But we still want it to be made to order, um, built by Americans in America, and shipped direct to consumer. So we don't uh, wanna play the inventory game and we're willing to juggle all those variables to try and make it work. So. And that's kind of what I was thinking about. Um, and uh, let me know what you think about this. But I was thinking about, you know, selling mallets, believe it or not. What? That was you the whole yeah. time? <laughs> like, no, whole time. you don't say. I mean, I think they're kind of nice. But, you know, and, and uh, cutting boards and maybe coasters or something like that. But the twist is, like what Bruce does, he has blanks already made up. And what I was thinking of is kind of like an a la carte. What kind of, you know, here, these are the wood species I offer, and here's a giraffe. How would you like these, you know, you know, do you want two wingy on there? Do you want two purple hearts? Do you want, you know, and they can customize their cutting board for them. I'm just putting it together. But How do you want your easy. burger built, pretty much? Right. You know, they can have it their way, but only from, like you said, the menu. Yeah. I would try to make it um, as visual as possible yeah um, right. i to the point where if i was considering this idea i wouldn't even put the name of the species of wood i would just have a little tile picture of the color right and figure out a way on the website to make it stack up in that right, order so they can see their range of the color order um just gotcha. because the less educating you have to do to the customer the better because they really like that's why they're hiring you is they don't want to learn all of the wood speed as cool and awesome as woodworking is some people just don't give a flip. So I used to do that more. Um, I used to offer different species and you could pick it and this and that. And Steven, I didn't always start out with inventory. I've only done that because volume has increased to the point that 
for the turnaround that I have to give, I've had to start keeping an inventory. Right. I don't like actually doing that because inventory is an opportunity cost. Like I were saying, you know, it, it takes up space and that space is something else that could be there. I don't know right. what that something else is, but it's that yeah, space but is I found, money lost. Exactly. And, um, I found that my, that customers were just paralyzed basically, even with just three species choices, like just basic, whatever, they just got to where they couldn't really decide. And so they'd abandon it on my website. And so when I started streamlining it to basically two choices, like two price points is when I started doing better. Uh, you know, two species choices. I've been doing some carved platters and bowls and stuff, and I just give two species choices. And I actually, I, I push people a certain way because, like, I give a, a higher perceived value, much higher to walnut. But in our reality, it doesn't cost that much more, but it is perceived at a higher value. And right. so I may price a bowl for, you know, $115 at maple, but it's 140 at walnut. Right, right. Like, look at um, a great resource we found pretty recently is uh, look at Tesla's website. Yeah. You can buy an eighty thousand dollar car with five clicks on the mouse. Yes, I was actually just on the website today, scrolling through, looking at it, and I was like, "Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool." I hit the button three times. I'm already at the checkout. It's like, "Oh, it's eighty-two thousand. I'm like, Phew. "But cool." <laughs> so, so but, about that new maybe, Tesla. Like maybe next driveway. year. Maybe next year yeah. we'll get to that, but not right now. But it was stupid easy to spend eighty-two thousand dollars. Like. Whoa. Reduce friction. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like the only person in the U.S. or in the world probably that just does not like the way Teslas look. None of them. <laughs> That's okay. That's, That's out there now. <laughs> That's on, yep. Yeah. Yep. For all our D customers. Duly, all our viewers or, or listeners will, uh, yeah. I'm writing that down. Yeah, I'm still thinking it. about what you said about like multiple wood choices. Like, my God, he gave me a choice of maple, walnut, and mahogany. What the hell did I do? Yeah. So many choices. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you actually look at it, it's Jacob. It's just like you know, you you're you're a chef. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I guarantee it probably ticks you off when somebody's like, "Yeah, I want this, but could you take this off?" Oh, to no end. You have <laughs> you no know, idea. And, honestly, and I, honestly and you I was, probably have some semblance of an idea, but yeah, when like say like you're building. Like one of our woodworking projects, we put all of our heart and soul into it. Like, say, I build this dish. I do all sorts of great things to it. Done really cool techniques, wonderful herbs and spices and different ingredients that I've always wanted to try. And they come out in such a beautiful way in a meld of wonderful flavors. And I say, like, I don't like this. Instead of grilling it, can you sear it? And no oil or butter and no wine. I'm allergic to all those. Uh, I can't have salt, pepper, and say, Get parsley. Out. I have, honestly, this lady at a hotel um, that I was working at one time, she came in and the bartender at the time, who's not my girlfriend, um, she said, she came back into the kitchen and she's like, I need you to talk to this woman. I'm like, what's up? She's like, she's the most difficult thing in the world. I need you to talk to her. Like, all right. So I went out there and she's like, um, I'm allergic to parsley, cilantro, chicken, <laughs> fish, <laughs> eggs, flour, gluten, uh soy salt pepper um uh, like salt really salt like you're like whole food market your is body. right down and, the street man and she, she said she listed all these things she's allergic to seafood and all the other stuff nuts and this i'm like uh she's like what can you offer me i'm like there's wonderful water on tap at the bar that's pretty much all i got for you dear <laughs> she's like you can't do anything like of everything that you just listed 
I have nothing I can offer you. I am like, I'm sorry, sorry, but I uh, am honestly shocked at how you're actually living right now. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, like, like what you were doing the the restaurants references uh, before. I'm like, uh, like starting to twitch because they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they really hit home well, for me. So that comes full circle with uh, what we were talking about earlier, because with the whole self confidence thing, like we as woodworkers, we really hyper scrutinize our work. Um, one of the things I think I even said this on the We Built a Thing podcast. Go to a flea market. If you can find some really old furniture, I'm talking like legit 1800s hand carved dovetail furniture. It's not that pretty. Those yeah. joints, those joints would not make it on Instagram. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, in there. This, this, this world of perfect dovetail joints that don't have any gaps didn't exist 10 years ago. And so everybody's hyper scrutinizing their own work. Um, we know how the sausage is made, so we're way more critical of our own work and so we don't then feel like it's appropriate to charge a premium for it because all we see are the flaws but you know to an untrained eye it just looks like it's another valuable. piece of furniture if you can make it really heavy and really sturdy and it won't break when they have to move then that's an added bonus to I, them that's all they that's care about and like and to your point of what you're saying before um like ordering off the menu and i think it, i think it's applicable here like any time that any menu that I'd ever write, it is short. My my ideal menu is ten items or less, yeah. and that's for sake of quality, of uh, production, um, you know, speed, and just my own sanity. Like I know in that realm of ten items and not being like ten thousand, like Cheesecake Factory. Like I know I can control everything and I can, I'm able to ensure the quality of all 10 of those items. I can cross utilize things. I can make sure that my profit margins are where they need to be because I'm not like I'm using some for one thing and then I can cross utilize with another. So I'm keeping my costs low on that. And then I can charge appropriately for, for things. Some things are going to be higher profit than others but that's to be expected. And I can keep all my costs within, within reason to still come out on top. And I can still have really great quality food at the end of the day and people can have a wonderful experience. Right, and that's what we're trying to figure out right now is how do we scale that? How do we make the same tabletop for all our kitchen tables, even though they look drastically different styles? Mm -hmm. How do we engineer the same tabletop? So it's, it's, it's all the same, it's all the same pattern. We're just mm -hmm. copy and paste into our specific niche. And it's really cool just to hear experts in other fields, you know, discovering the same sort of principles and stuff that yep. we're trying to tackle in the furniture business. So, oh yeah, for sure. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Alan, did you have another question that you perhaps wanted to ask them? Um, I think you kind of answered the last one. The only other question I probably have is, I'm kind of curious which of the two of you was the mastermind of getting the other one on board for the, the business thing. Like, who was the driver of that? I was curious about that, too, so I'm glad you asked. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah I just think... so you know, I really didn't care. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I actually really – that was another question I had. Yeah, and I think because he was the one that originally had the woodworking skills – and that was like what we decided to start the business with, like was the woodworking. We're like, hey, we could, we could do this. Um, he was the one that like started the ball rolling with it all because he was the one that like held the skills initially. 
and then once I got on board with like the concept of woodworking and how you know I could I could actually use some of the tools myself and build things I'm like all right I got this this is like yeah this is really cool let's do this yeah I never never would have thought I would have been an entrepreneur yeah. never ever in a thousand yeah. million and uh, just kind of stumbled into it um, of course hindsight's twenty twenty I can I can look back at my past and see all sorts of things um, just growing up that aided in you know opening my mind to entrepreneurship and stuff like that but um yeah i guess i started the ball rolling but jenny to her credit has kept up and that's that's a blessing that's not something i take for granted because i know a lot of people their partner or their spouse just they're not on board with it it's it's a tough sell it's a tough life especially with what we're talking about of you know facing your demons and yeah. running head first into things that cause you the most amount and of that's harm. my big thing too is i like i just i love the lifestyle that comes along with like, mm whole business aspect and being an entrepreneur because I think it's really healthy and pushes you along in so many other aspects of life. I also just don't like sitting still. <laughs> <laughs> you guys seem to have a really good partnership there. That's really awesome. You guys are kind of on board together, you know? Well, thanks. Yeah, we try to keep it balanced. Mm -hmm. We um, we really like uh, Tom and Lisa Bilyeu. You know them. Yeah. I love uh, them. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we really like them. We consume a lot of their content. We, we like Bill and Melinda Gates. We like seeing these other power couples and trying to imitate them as much as we can in the areas we think they're succeeding. So, um, yeah, Bill, uh, we're getting ready to do this in the next couple of months, but um, Tom and Lisa, Bill, you, uh, he's the guy that did the Quest Nutrition Bars. If you see those at the checkout. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. He's the guy that started that company. He's since sold it, but when he started his new company, he and his wife went to their uh, business lawyer and said, we are 50-50 partners, not 51-49. I want you to make this thing a divorce lawyer's nightmare. And the <laughs> lawyer just kind of looked at him like he was crazy. And he's like, no, we trust our ability to act like adults and hash it out to make it work because quitting is not an option for us. Yeah, right? cool. We really like that mentality. And I don't know. We'll see how it works. <laughs> yeah. So when you went into your lawyer and said that, what was the response? We haven't done it yet. We're not. That's that's our goal. That's what we're working towards. We're working towards. Okay, okay, just, just one step at a time. Then we'll get you. Well, guys, uh, I know that you guys said you uh, have a limited amount of time, and we are pretty much up at the hour and a half mark, which we like to keep it at. So I would, I really want to thank you guys for coming out and uh joining us tonight it was but we have one last question don't we we do uh you are right yeah, we do. what i'm here for that's what you that's what you're there for see but that i'll let them do most of the talking tonight so that's why we have you haven't had to help me out much um so the question that we ask everybody that is on the podcast and if you've listened to it you know what it is so i'm gonna ask davis instead of Jenny. How did you meet your spouse? <laughs> He's going to tell you the wrong story. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to ask Jenny because we know that she'll tell us the truth. Right. We, we need her to like leave the room and then swap out so that there's no stories. Yeah. Um, so the school that I went to, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, fantastic institution. The guy to girl ratio is at the time that I went, it was six or seven guys to one girl. Yeah. And it was a math and engineering school. So you can imagine the sort of demographic that that school would attract. 
And so I went through my freshman year. Everything was fine. I was single the whole way through. Not a problem. You know, I'm in college. Just have fun, you know, meet new people, that sort of thing. Well, I start realizing like, hey, my options might be kind of limited here in college. I'm either going to have to go somewhere else or find somebody in church or something like that. And um, not just not a whole lot of options. And so uh, we get we get connected with um, a mutual friend of ours um, who's going to be her roommate her freshman year. And so we mm-hmm. connect on Facebook and I start doing a little bit of Facebook stalking, you know, as one does. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's not creepy see, at all, dude. I see this incoming freshman coming to a science, math and engineering school who is a varsity cheerleader, homecoming queen, wants to be a physics major, and also wants to be in the Air Force. And I'm like, I need to do something before somebody else does. So I reached out. I think I, I, think I sold her $1,200 worth of textbooks for like $30. That's before you knew his sales skills. Trust me. Otherwise, you would have sold him for like six grand. So first no, day orientation, I, I hop on my, my cool dude longboard and yeah. skate over to the freshman dorms with just an armful of books that I'm about to give away to this girl that I've never seen before. And uh, that's how we met. And uh, it didn't take long until we started dating and been together ever since. So. Aww, I, I want to hear how you asked her out on the first date because I'm sure that's a better story. Oh. I did that. Oh, so you were, because you were scared. So, like, uh, Air Force ROTC was kind of a, a weird thing, because you're not in the military, but you kind really of, like are, you're playing like yeah. you are. Yeah, I, I was in Army ROTC. So. Okay, so they got all these, like, weird rules, and so she was concerned about, are we going to get in trouble if we start dating, because you're a year older than me. And I was like, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so we, we texted back and forth, and then I think over Christmas break, your freshman year, yeah. I finally twisted your arm to letting you letting me take you out to dinner. Yeah. And I think that was it. Like, please. Yeah, I one about drink. That in a while. Just one oh, drink. Not, Just one drink. That's not <laughs> it. That's not, that was kind of vanilla, guys, I have to say. That was kind of vanilla. Um, but, you know, we appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> Nothing I mean, like it, skydiving, and I saw somebody. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's, it's. I mean, not, it's not as good, it's not as good as Jacobs. No, it's uh, definitely not. not I mean, as good as it, it, it's it's sweet. It's nice. It's like the Hallmark version, but you know, it's no. it's, it's it's nice, but it's not as good as mine. <laughs> like, uh, well, if we had more time, I would tell you about it, but unfortunately, and, we don't. And, Maybe yeah, next. If we time. had more, and we had more time, I could tell you about you know how I asked all three of my wives to marry me. <laughs> <laughs> and then how they all three asked for me to divorce them. <laughs> well, you got to leave something for the other future podcast. Yes. So. Yeah, that's true. Go. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, thank you, Jacob. I appreciate that because I almost forgot. Well, Not actually, I would have forgotten. You would have forgotten. I would have forgotten just because I know you guys said you had to, you know, you couldn't stay on very long. And <laughs> so I was, you know, trying to help you guys out and almost forgot the most important question of the evening. Oh, it's important. So, well, but I do want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. It was awesome. Um, we had Bruce A. Ulrich here. AC from AC Nails It uh, was in the audience. And uh, so we want to thank them for coming out. But Deanie Davis, thank you so much for coming out, imparting wisdom onto us. 
and uh, you know, I'm definitely gonna. I've been following you since I met you guys, so uh, well, didn't even know who you guys were until I talked to Bruce and and Drew and them. And I was like, who are these people? Oh, yeah, they're kind of cool. A lot of people to ask if you want a good first impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I do have to say that uh, I don't know if it was your last video. I think it probably was the one you were talking about, Facebook Marketplace. And I loved the very end when you guys were doing that little parody. Oh, uh, yeah. Is this still this? That, yes, that it is. was awesome. That <laughs> was great. I was, was I was dying. Is this still available? Can I get it in this exotic rosewood? Yeah, <laughs> sure. We get with them for, for a price like, check. Like, yeah, can you paint it, it black? I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, guys, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for having yes. us on. Thanks for being flexible with our crazy schedules going on. It's yeah, crazy this was a lot of fun. No problem. This is, no it was a great conversation. Loved having you guys on. And to everyone listening, if you're not following Jenny and Davis and you want some great advice about woodworking and entrepreneurship, if I ever can say that right, go uh -huh. check out their channel and their website, everything that they do. They're great. Steven, and you uh, what's your – what's your What's the name of your um, you know Instagram channel? Uh, <laughs> Jenny, Jenny and Davis. And Davis. Oh, okay. Is that spelled Jenny and Davis or Jenny and Davis? Jenny and Davis. All one word. All one word with the full word and. Full yeah. right. word and. Full right. word and. And her first because you're a smart man. Yep. <laughs> you got to put the wife first because his mama ain't happy. You ain't happy. Your life is hell. Trust me. <laughs> Reach that, man. All right, All right guys. Yeah. Thanks Thank a lot, you guys. so much for being on here. I can't wait to see y'all at Workbench Connor before then some miracle happens. Hey, if I if you're ever in the you know the eastern Tennessee area, you know, send me a DM. Same thing All for right. you, AC. I know you're close-ish. Two hours. Right. And if you're ever right, flying, guys, so flying the plane down and through a hurricane, we, you know, look me up. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and thanks for doing what you guys do. So uh, our next guest, we're just going to keep that a secret. Um so until next time, friends, keep being awesome, stay out of trouble, and as always, God's sake, be good to one another.